are listening to Meet and Write, a podcast that dives into liturgical worship and how communion really begins after church. Well, welcome everyone to season two of the Meet and Write podcast. I am excited to kick off season two of a series of episodes here of this podcast with a very special guest, Dr. Mina Abdul-Sayed. Mina started Theology Academy in 2019 to enhance religious literacy. His goal was to make theology simple and accessible to the general public. Mina holds a PhD in cardiac electrophysiology and a master's in theology. He works as a scientist at Stanford University and teaches at several theological institutions. So thank you so much, Mina, for your time and for kicking off this season of the podcast. Thank you so much, Abuna. It's always a pleasure. Mina, I want us to to dive into what is the uh, Theology Academy, but let's keep that near the end of the episode. So still stay tuned to hear about the amazing work of this academy. But Mina, I would love for us to kick off this series and kick off this episode talking about something we touched about and t- talked about in, in season one with Dr. Emmanuel Gerges. But now I want us to kind of elaborate on a very essential component to our lives, which is time. We all have busy lives. We're always on the go. We find that this component of life is so limited, right? But when we talk about it from a theological sense, from especially liturgically, time is talked about in a completely different set of, 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 from a different viewpoint. It's, it's viewed very differently liturgically. So I would love for you, Mina, to share with us how is time different from the busyness that we live in in this temporal world and how it is how we are invited to be engaged in time liturgically well to be very honest with you abuna time is a man-made phenomenon Mm. um we make up time as humans to be able to understand uh you know our reality in terms of uh, uh times seasons ages, years, etc. Even modern science and physics proves that time is relative. Depending on where you are in the time, you know, space matrix, um, time is relative. Uh, You know, uh, even, I mean, within just on planet Earth, within that one globe that we all live on, um, time, you know, there's different time zones. So, but there's something to be learned of living within the realms of time. Uh, Time is the medium or is the means by which the atemporal is made manifest. Now, let me dive a little bit more into this by reading Philippians uh, chapter 2, verses 5 to 6. It says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. It continues in verse 7. But made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. So as you can see, there's an emptying process. There's a pouring. There's a kenosis that the divine is undergoing. He is manifesting himself within the realms of time and space. But in doing so and being united with us, he is able to raise us to the divine realms of no time and no space. So in in other words, I want to make sure I get this right, Mina. We are in this limited view of time with with its restrictions. But the uncreated being invites us to another dimension of time. Absolutely. He not only invites us, he allows us to be 
participants in the universal body of his own. Mm. It's his own body that we are members of. Mm. We are the members of the body of Christ. Christ, the invisible image of God. And it's the one body of Christ, as St. Cyril always puts it. The one nature of Christ. Whatever happens to one part of the body affects the entire body. Now, the entire body belongs to God, who is eternal, who is atemporal. Now, how are we invited to become members of that body? By partaking of the Eucharist. The Eucharist of the means, you know, this it's the physical unity by which we are knit into the divine so as to become the likeness of the divine. Now, a lot of people hear this and say, okay, does that mean we become the divine in the absolute sense? Obviously not. We are not God in the absolute sense. Yeah. But you are, through this, through this participation and being created in that image, you proceed towards the likeness. Now, when is that likeness attained? Well, according to our earthly time or, or watches, we cannot measure this by temporal time yeah however it is an eternity until we reach this likeness in other words if if we actually try to measure this using earthly time it will never end mm. it's an eternal process it's an it's it's an unending pro, uh, process and that's why the fathers always pondered on the co concept of the liturgy after liturgy the liturgy never ends it persists it continues in our life we take it into the outer society to conduct the eucharist there we start it here and it propagates mm. in the outer world and thus and hence the entire creation becomes united with us and it also attains its salvation in christ as saint paul says in his epistle to the corinthians mm. and, and this i and, and to kind of echo what you're saying mina this is why the liturgical language, like if we can, if you can share with us or highlight how in the richness of, of our text is this reality in which you're sharing with us is emphasized or echoed. And I guess the one thing that sticks out to me is the intimacy in which Jesus points out the word abide for us to abide in him. So it's not just like he's, he's, he's inviting us to a very intimate union in which we are invited to his dimension of time. Um, and he's not just saying, you know, take this. No, he's he's using these very personal words to partake, to abide in him. So I, I would love me to, you know, what are other examples in which we see this reality of, of this divine dimension of time being expressed liturgically? Absolutely. In the Johannine tradition or in the Apocalypse of John, we read that the Lamb was slain since the foundation of the world. Now, the Eucharist, in a sense, has been conducted ever since the foundation of the world. When was the world founded? Well, in God, there is no time. Mm. It was a manifestation. It is It is entering from, you know, it's, it's moving from the realms of invisibility into visibility, which we call existence and hence creation. When it becomes created, it becomes manifested. But the, the imprint of that image is within the divine essence ever since the foundation of the world. Mm. The Eucharist, the cross, the resurrection, the burial, the ascension, and more importantly, the second coming. Mm. And this is what we say in the anamnesis or in the commemoration. In that part of the litur liturgy where we say, we commemorate your passion, your resurrection, your death, and your second coming. Mm. 
Yeah. Now, in this commemoration, it's not only a form of remembering, it's not only a remembrance or a memorial of someone who's dead and we're trying to uh, uh, recall his, his biography. No, this is reliving, recapitulating the life so as to live the life as if it is happening at the moment. The, the activity is, in essence, ongoing. Yeah, and I just want to emphasize, sorry, Mina, to interrupt, but... I just want to make sure that that all our listeners really get this because sometimes we pray this liturgically and we kind of you know go we run past it because we're not thinking yes we commemorate crucifixion I'm with you resurrection I'm with you ascension I'm with you right because in our view of time historically they're done we can look back at it historically and we can say yes they've done but then where we also in the same breath we say we are commemorating your second coming so I just wanted to Make sure that we all caught that, that we, we are commemorating something in a chronological sense has not occurred yet. Not occurred, but it has occurred and it's fulfilled and its activity is persisting. And we are living in that activity mm. in the Eucharist, mm. in the liturgy. The liturgy after liturgy, it doesn't end. It's ongoing. It persists. And that's the whole point of the Eucharist, in my opinion, is it is a means to knit the temporal realms with the atemporal realms. Mm. A means for our very limited, weak, and and uh, constrained or restricted nature to become united with the atemporal so as to live in atemporality and eternity. And that's why, you know, there's always a misconception in our minds as believers, you know, oh, I shouldn't, you know, do something bad because so, so when I die, I can go to heaven. Mm. Well, we are constantly dying in martyria on a daily basis. As soon as you put on that image of Christ in baptism, you're a martyr. Yeah. As soon as you partake of the Eucharist, you're a martyr. And as a result, by by being a martyr, you die to yourself and therefore you live the life of Christ now on a daily basis. Mm. It is, you know, eternity starts now. It doesn't start tomorrow. Mm. And, 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 and what how that is emphasized in, in our text is maybe there's a connection with what you just shared, Mina, with we look for the resurrection of the dead and exactly. the life of the age to come. Exactly. And, and and speaking of the matter of, you know, the 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 Eucharist or the sacraments that we participate in church is a form of martyrdom. Just to just, uh, you know, a, a, a point on the side, the institution narrative that we pray in the liturgy, all the anaphoras in the first four centuries did not have an institution narrative. Mm. The institution narrative did not consist, you know, a, a, you know, a, a, a section in the liturgy or as a liturgical text, but it entered with the uh, uh, the end of the persecution in the fourth century. And the reason being is the church wanted to remind the believers by partaking of the body and blood of Christ, you put on the image of Christ. Mm. So therefore, you become a martyr like Christ. You die now. Mm. And by dying now, you live eternity. Mm. There's, a really, there's a really good saying, if you die before you die, when you die, you will not die. Yeah, yeah. You, you stole my uh, Good Friday notes. That was what we talked about last. It's if a great quote. If you die before you die, you will not die when you die. Yeah. In other words, I will be able to trample death because I'm already in death. Yeah. And that's the Paschal hymn that we chant every, you know, a Feast of Resurrection. Uh, uh, he trampled 
down death by what? By casting thunderbolts or by cursing or by casting magical spells on this phenomenon called death? Yeah. By dying. Yeah, yeah. And and what's connected to, to that resurrection hymn that we belt for 50 days exactly. is your death, O Lord, we proclaim. Like what's... Like, if, at least for me growing up, when does, like, everyone get really fired up and really chanting liturgically is when we are proclaiming this What hymn. type of religion proclaims death as its thing? Yeah. But yeah. it's through, it's by becoming nothing that he becomes everything in us. Yeah. That's the power of being united with Christ. And, uh, uh, you know, there's always a misconception about us uh, progressing towards the likeness of God so as to becoming God in the absolute sense. That is the, ex you know, the actual definition of what we're talking about is the exact opposite to what is currently uh, uh, said sometimes. In order for me to put on the image of Christ, I need to take off myself. I need to die to myself. It's no longer I, Christ who lives in me. Mm -hmm. And you just sharing that meaning reminds me when we, we chant during the midnight praises, we sing, oh, sing unto him who was crucified, right. buried and resurrected. Right. And we say, I think the second verse is, take off the old man yes. and put on put the on. new, yes. the superior one. Yes. And, and that's the thing about the sacraments that we partake in. It's a process. Some people think it's a one-time shot and we're saved and it's, we're good to go. Yeah. Baptism is a process. It starts in the water, but it continues. And it, you need to persistently put off that old man. Mm. And that's where, you know, our voluntary acceptance of carrying the cross and putting off the old man comes into play. Mm. And that's where we need to be in the likeness of the image of Christ, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery, but emptied himself. This is a great conversation, you know, just to remind all of us of how we come with our limited brokenness and we come and intersect with him who is unlimited and we enter into this divine dimension of time, which doesn't have the constraints in our chronological view of time. So thank you for this, Mina. Mina, I would love for you to, to, to share with us, if we're looking for more of, of not necessarily related to the time, but you know, I would love for you to share with us the work that you're doing at Theology, Theology Academy. Alrighty, so in Theology Academy, our mission is to enhance religious literacy through academic and informative short video tutorials. Um, our vision is to illuminate the human soul to realize its spiritual potential by engaging the disciplines in theology. Now, what does this long line mean? Um, we, we believe that in order to understand God well, we need to understand context well. Mm. The context is the milieu in which the theological language is born and comes into existence. You cannot set yourself apart as a true Christian or as a true believer from society. You need to understand the language of society to be able to articulate the language of God in the message and through the message of society. That's the means of incarnating divine through humanity. Yeah. Um, uh, that's 
by engaging the disciplines, we get to see theology in all aspects of our lives. It's not only, you know, just this one, you know, thing that we do on Sunday by going to Sunday, uh, by going to church on a Sunday morning or attending Sunday school. No, um, I see theology in medicine, in science, in the rules that govern this universe, in the theories that come and go. All these scientific theories, I mean, they may not complement, you know, our 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 faith or our traditions well, but they have some things to them that may help us understand the manifestations of God through time and space in the divine incarnation. Yeah, and it connects to what you're saying, that liturgy is not just, you know, there's a liturgy after the liturgy. So in the same way, if there's no restrictions, yeah, there's no restrictions of how we abide in God, then that should continue into the sciences, that that continues into the humanities and so forth and so on. Thank you so much, Mina, for for teaching us about time in in and and how it is how it exists liturgically, and for sharing with us the great work you are doing and leading the team at Theology Academy. So make sure you check it out on the website in the description below. So thank you again, Dr. Mina, for all your time. Thank you so much, Abuna. You have been listening to Meet and Write. For more episodes and resources, make sure to check out CoptichHymnsInEnglish.com.